0: Welcome to A Minor Detail. My name is Ryan Minor. I'm your host. You can find us on the web at aminordetail.com, and you can find us here every Sunday night on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash detail. Just back from vacation, yes, went up to Maine for a bit. Had a great trip, by the way. Uh, <laughs> first night, uh, we left last week, Kim and I did. Um, we left last Thursday stayed one night in Milford, Connecticut at a literally a less than a half star Howard Johnson hotel. And after leaving said hotel, uh, we probably had to get an HP, HPV shot. Um, not so sure about the uh, <laughs> the arrangements there. But then we went up to and stayed in Kennebunkport, Maine, um, in Airbnb with a, a very nice family had headed up to Oh, geez, where were we? We We're all over the place. So we went up to we didn't get quite up north to Bar Harbor, but saw Maine's state capital uh, during a government shutdown. And this wonderful lady had come out and said, I'm sorry, but our this government building is closed um, and basically went on to ridicule their governor, Paul LePage, who um, is much paralleled to Donald Trump himself. But that's a different story. Um, We didn't make it to the New Jersey beaches because they were closed Oh, wait, were they closed? Because we did see Governor Chris Christie there. Um, nonetheless, we got our we had an opportunity to visit Boston, stopped in Little Italy, uh, and then went back to our favorite place of Rhode Island, saw the big Fourth of July parade in Bristol, and then uh, spent a couple evenings in Newport, and then back to work it was back uh, on Wednesday, or Thursday, I should say. Great trip, nice little summer vacation. Uh, But tonight, I'm not here to talk about my suburb vacation, although it's insufferably boring. I have the distinct pleasure of having a congressional candidate uh, from Maryland's first congressional district. She is a Democrat. Her name is Allison Galbraith, and I probably will butcher her name several times. But Allison will be here right now to probably correct me about how to say her last name. Allison, welcome to a minor detail. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. And it's Galbraith.
0: Galbraith. Am I saying that
1: right? Galbraith. Okay. Well,
0: I'm just going to call you Allison. Does that work?
1: That's perfect.
0: Okay. Well, you are certainly an interesting candidate. and And let me put some context to that. I've heard about your candidacy, and your name has been traveling all up and down the Mighty First. And it's a big congressional district. It's In fact, it's huge, comparable to where I live in Maryland's 6th Congressional District. If you started on the very edge of the boardwalk where that giant shark is down in Ocean City, and you drove all the way up north, or I should say west and wherever the hell your district goes to, how long would it take you to drive from the very bottom to the very top of the district?
1: I think it's probably three and a half, four hours. And once you throw in beach traffic, and then it's like five and a half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, if you had to sit it's, on the Bay... It's
1: sad. I can get any... Sorry, go on.
0: If you had to sit on the Bay Bridge coming across the... um <laughs> from the uh from the uh, Ocean City sign um, back over into Anne Arundel County, you know how bad that can get.
1: It- yeah, I can get anywhere in the state, I think, before I can get to the most southern parts of this district. It's, it's a rough district.
0: So you're running for Congress in, in a district that currently is, the seat is occupied by a U.S. congressman named Andy Harris. And so you jumped into this knowing that it would be an uphill battle and when I say Uphill Battle, what I mean is, is that it's a staunchly Republican district. And so I'm reading your website. I'm reading everything that I can get my hands on about you. And your candidacy, I think, so far has transcended politics and talked about issues specific. So what I want to do with this interview, Allison, is first I want to talk about you, about your life, um, about your your family. I want to talk about what you're doing now, um, your career, and what motivated you to jump in to, I hate to say it, what I think is one of the worst times to be in politics in American history. Um, and it's sad because our politics are dwindling. The conversations are focused on ancillary issues. But I think that there is some great people running. And I just want to say... What is Maryland bereft of right now? What are we missing most in our congressional delegation, Allison?
1: You could start with a woman.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we we you know Donna Edwards when she ran against Chris uh, for the U.S. Senate seat when Barbara Mikulski retired, um, she was a a fierce advocate for Marylanders. You you can't deny that. I didn't always agree with Senator Barb but i have to tell you she was one tough woman and uh she she just you know she she's a legacy she left an indelible legacy in the united states senate but we are missing we're desperately missing a female and not just for the sake of having one but i mean this it's just it's needed it's time we have to have i think we really need to have a female representative in the united states congress so Let's start out with you. Tell me about you. Tell me about yourself, where you grew up, um and about your life.
1: Well, I was I was born in G B M C in Baltimore. I grew up in Bel Air, downtown Bel Air. And graduated from Bel Air High School, much to my mother's dismay because she had tried to send me to John Carroll. <laughs> And uh, I went to University of Maryland, College Park, got a degree in philosophy because that was, you know, obviously the best choice. In all honesty, it was better than studio art, which was the alternative. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, you know, of course, you don't know what to do with a philosophy degree. So, and uh, I went and I married the guy that had been my next door neighbor growing up and you know, I had, a, I had a stepson, and then we had our own son, Ben. So I, uh, you know, I did the mothering thing for a long time. And then what happened was we moved back from Texas, from, from Fort Hood. He was a veteran. <laughs> right after wow. I had my son. one wanted my son to know my parents. And so when he switched jobs, he lost health insurance. And so, you know, the, the kids go on M-CHIP, right? We're a family of four making 50 grand a year, something like that. Mm-hmm. And just enough to get by, really, but not enough to buy pricey health insurance policies. But so I go on and the kids get M-CHIP. I go online. I get I get the kids' dad a, a policy for pretty reasonable. My son was a, maybe a little over one at the time, something like that. And then I flipped the box from male to female, and the prices shoot up, and then I put in that I'd had postpartum depression and the C-section, and you know the baby weight probably was not helping matters any. And the prices shoot up even more, and 75 percent of the, the policies drop off. And I was like, "Well, I, I can't afford this." and I wanted to stay home with my little guy for a little bit longer, but I went to go work at Aberdeen Test Center. As a contractor, a union job, actually, I wore a, a hard hat and steel toes to work, and I followed around all the military testing, and it it was an interesting job, but I had an opportunity to move up to be a tech writer, and over the years, I moved up to working at the two-star general staff and uh, doing program management, and I just learned everything I could, and I started doing grad school work in public policy, public management, with a specialization in federal acquisition, which is enough to to bore you to (laughs) sleep, really. But it's, it's, you know, how the military develops equipment. Very complicated process that most people don't understand and don't care to understand.
0: I find that fascinating. And maybe later in the program we can uh, inscrutably bore ourselves with um, the technicalities of how those processes unfold. But nonetheless, please continue.
1: <laughs> sure, I'll talk to you about those processes. You might lose some people. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and and then I, I was a contractor the whole time. I was never a federal employee. I was a contractor the whole time. There's not a lot of security there, and they tended to get paid a little bit more to make up for all that. But what was it? Two thousand two thousand thirteen it was like all of a sudden both my parents were having problems walking just in the same month. And then two thousand fourteen I was at the that whole time I was like putting my ex through school. So I'm separated now from my son's you, dad. Amicably, everything's fine. We made a better team than we did a couple.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh I think it put a lot of strain on us that he was in school for so long. He went and got a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And I had to do the breadwinner thing the whole time, which was very stressful oh. for me. But so anyway, um, yeah, you know, I guess it was like 2014. And luckily, you know, right when he was about to graduate, so he could start working and uh, my mom started having strokes. And Uh, you know, I got laid off, and this actually happens a lot to caregivers, right? Caregivers get knocked around quite a bit. People who have other responsibilities, other things that they have to address with their families outside of work. Anyway, uh, so I got laid off, and I started my own business. And the reason I could do that was because, of ACA and the gender rate hikes being gone and the pre existing conditions being covered, I could buy a private market policy. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty important to me. It took me a while to to get that you know going and on its feet and now I have a couple of clients who my time is split. So half of the time I help service disabled, better known small businesses bid on federal contracts. And that could be anything from health and human services to Veterans Affairs, Department of Defense, Department of Energy,
0: you know, whatever.
1: You know, all those contracts are sort of structured the same. And if you know what you're looking for, then you can manage them. And the rest of the time, I sort of advise Department of Defense programs on how to do more with less. So if they have a budget cut, what do you do if you get a big chunk of money at the end of the year, which often happens? What do you do? How do you spend it? You know, there, there are problems there. And how do you expedite the processes so that you can deliver better equipment faster and at a, at a lower cost? So I specialize in streamlining, of all things, and, and I try and, and tell them how to help the soldiers and well, give them better equipment
0: and you are how old for the record I'm 34 I okay.
1: look like I'm 25 but I swear <laughs> I'm
0: 34 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I was I was just I was looking at some of your pictures and but you you look like you're young you're healthy and you're energized and I've seen some YouTube videos that all credibly suggest that you are up for the fight you're up for Uh, a challenge. And I think of anybody who is running, I think you can bring this. And your experiences clearly, clearly qualifies you to understand the complexities that ordinary everyday Americans have to deal with uh, in relation to the federal government. For instance, you mentioned the difficulties, the struggles of being a caregiver. My my mother, um, I grew up in Western Maryland, in Hagerstown, Maryland, and my pretty much my entire family's from there. And my, my grandmother, she suffers from, um, Alzheimer's and she's 84. And my mom is pretty much the primary caretaker. And my grandfather is a veteran. He's, he'll be 92 on July 23rd. And so, you know, it's they're thank God they're in good shape. Um, but, you know, struggling with Alzheimer's, um, as anyone can attest to, is very difficult. And my mom is just a real champion. And it's tough because my mom works a full-time job. She also, she works for the federal government, but in her spare time, which is limited, she's a caregiver and it's tough on our family. Um, and it's it's been exhausting. And my mom's only 51. And like yourself, she was a single mom. She raised me. Um, and, you know, I thank God for, the public schools that I grew up in. I thank God that my mom had a job in healthcare to provide for. Um, and then she met my stepdad and they got married. And, um, you know, we, they started a small business. And it's, this is the American dream. And I see that you, what really interests me the most is that you did what many people aspire to do in that you created something of your own and you're doing it. And then you just decided to, to jump into the world of politics. So what was the spark? What What made you say, Allison, I have to do something? What was it?
1: Well, so so as I said, the only reason I could start a business was because of ACA and the essential benefits, which I, I see as consumer protections, right? There are certain things that you simply can't trust in a health insurance company to want to cover. And I knew, I, I pay... less for an insurance policy now than I would have back in 2008 or 2009 when I tried to buy that private policy. That's how much of a difference as it been, you know, in 10 years, I pay $150 less now. So, I was seeing all these things about Trump's tax plan, and I was seeing you know, uh, Harris talking about about repeal and replace uh, ACA. And there's a third thing. Anyway, I've used them as a tax on single parents. And I don't ask for too much. I'm asking for a little protection from the corporations and the things the corporations tend to do to people. You know, but I rely on those things to have my business. And I rely on my business to pay my mortgage. And I rely on my mortgage to put a roof over my baby's head. So I need those things. I need health insurance. Anyway, after the election, I went to, I asked for an appointment with Andy Harris. And I started with his constituent liaison, who, who, for the record, is very, very nice. I really like her.
0: Were they based in the Chestertown office?
1: This is the Bel Air office that I went to. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I started in there, and I wrote a letter explaining the fact that without ACA, I couldn't have my own business, and I asked, what are you going to do for women-owned small businesses? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do to protect women? And the answer I got, you know, from from, Mary O'Keefe, his constituent liaison, she told me, well, I think he's going to do something to protect pre-existing conditions, and to keep kids on policies until they're 26. They said, that's great, but that doesn't really help me with the gender rate hikes. And, you know, I I kept calling. I said, well, can I have a meeting with Andy? I'd like to meet with Representative Harris. I want to hear from him what he's going to do for women who own small businesses and are dependent on these things. Because anything can be a pre-existing condition, and that's what people don't understand. It can be anything. And you know, I talked to his healthcare care legislative aide, and he goes, well, I think you would have fallen into the high-risk pool. I think you would have been covered in the high-risk pool. And I said, yeah, I would have been covered in the high-risk pool, and I would have had to wait six months for treatment for postpartum depression. That's not okay. And it costs me more than I pay now. So, no, we're not going to go back to high risk pools and like you can pretend like they're an awesome solution all day long but if you've ever faced a high risk pool as your only option for health insurance it's not an option at all and so you know I said well that's enough of that and then uh, he had a day where he was letting constituents in you know five at a time to go into his office and meet with him personally so at this point my mother's literally on her deathbed and I dropped what I was doing and I took my son into his office and, you know, I, I, we sat down and I got to ask first and I said, do you promise to vote against anything that allows for gender rate hikes? And he looks me in the eye with my kid sitting next to me and he says, I don't think most people would mind if women paid a little more for health insurance. And I cut wow. off. I couldn't help it. I said, women mind. And then he goes, well, women need services that men don't need. I said, men need services that women don't need also, and we all came from a uterus. <laughs> he didn't appreciate that. I, You know, I don't even, I remember uh, my son him a few questions about special education. He just lied to him. Wow! Yeah, like he's not even honest about what it is that he's doing. When you understand his policies, you know that he's just it, the spin beyond spin. The spin is live.
0: So let 50 me 50. ask you this, I, Allison. I, you, yeah, this is so coming. I, I mean, you're sitting face to face. You you walk in. You meet with Congressman Harris. And this is this in his Bel Air office. Yes.
1: Yes. it was. Okay.
0: So you're sitting down. You you. It's just you, Congressman Harris, and your son. And you're talking to him about health No, healthcare. no, there are
1: three other people in there. Oh, this is oh. verifiable.
0: Okay, so <laughs> you're, 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 there's three other folks sitting inside of his office, and you ask them this question, and mind you, Andy Harris is a medical doctor. He is, he, you know, he's a long time, I think he's an anesthesiologist. Is that correct? I think that's
1: he's, correct. He's an obstetric anesthesiologist. So of all things he He of all people, should understand that that healthy mothers make healthy kids
0: Of course, and he said to you in response uh in response was that women should basically pay a little bit more in health care and what was his he, reasoning
1: yeah because because women need services that men don't need okay and my point was everybody is born and and you need women to have babies. Sorry. Uh, unless you're okay with us just ceasing to exist.
0: Were you satisfied with your exchange with Congressman Harris? Was, was there something subsequent that you discussed in, as far as substance and details of policy?
1: Oh, okay. I I think that he might have mentioned the high-risk rules. I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly what he said after that. I think that I just... It's like I can't believe this guy just said this to me. Like he just looked at me and, and I think he said, "Oh well, a small percentage," but I knew what he meant. If if you deregulated the insurance industry in this way, it was a thirty to eighty percent increase for women. Mm-hmm. Thirty to eighty percent. There was no two to five percent that he's talking about. You can't love maternity care separate, and it wasn't just maternity. I mean. The insurance companies looked at you, if you were a woman of childbearing age, and just jacked up the rates. That's right. how it went. Even if they didn't cover maternity care, the rates were still higher. And that was the thing that made, you know, that's, that's the only thing that makes women cost more. We tend to be healthier in a lot of ways. So anyway, I you know I heard that, and then three days later, my my mother passed away, yeah. and you know this is after dealing with. I mean, Medicare's got its problems too, right? I was dealing with a lot of that when um, when she was in, in and out of the hospital. She wanted to go home for hospice care. She didn't want to go to a facility, mm-hmm. and Medicare wouldn't pay for the home caretakers. Now, they would pay up to $2,000 a day or something to put her in a nursing facility, but she was adamant that that's where she didn't want to go. She wanted to go home. So I'm kind of dealing with that at the same time as, as you know, the prospect of losing my own health insurance. And, you know, when my mom passed away, she was a pretty fierce woman. She, she spent her career fighting to address racial disparities in health care and, and health care for all that's what she spent her career doing and she didn't care whose feathers she ruffled. She just, she fought for the underdog. So that was the sort of example I had. And I, you know, after that, I just thought like, I, this guy has to go. And I was, I'd been looking this whole time for anybody who was willing to run against him and you know, that I could throw my weight behind and, and I just, I couldn't find anybody at the time, and and I finally just said, you know what, fine. I understand exactly how the federal government works. I deal with it every day. I understand the industry side. I understand the federal government side. I've been all over, you know, different parts of Department of Defense, Veterans Affairs. I see how the contracts are written at all of the other agencies. You know, my background is in public policy at the federal level. Why not? Oh, I may as well run against this guy because I'm sick of the attacks on our families. I'm sick of attacks on the basic consumer protections that allow me to have a business or to live my life. If you're gonna take my life away from me because you wanna mess with my health care, then I think it's time that we go and we take in.
0: Um, let's stay on the topic of the reasons why you decided to run and then let's talk about the the official launch of your uh, your congressional campaign Before, prior to this Allison have you been involved in politics was is this your first foray into elected politics
1: uh yeah it is, it is as i said i understand the federal government better than any other level so i said okay well this is you know feasible but sorry what's the rest of the question
0: <laughs> it is my no, first,
1: it's my first run no i really i just got set up
0: well, I, guess it I sounds like. decided
1: it was we need to be protected. The The last person I thought I'd be defending my family from is the federal government.
0: Yeah. And you're a United States congressman. And I want to talk a little bit about Andy Harris. And I've I don't know Andy Harris. And, you know, in full disclosure, I'm a former Republican um, and we were sold the bill of goods that Andy Harris is the Eastern shore, the first congressional district, you know, the dream. This is the guy, this is the guy that's going to come in there and he is going to serve with distinction and honor. And he's going to be a hands-on representative. And, you know, I I followed Andy Harris's career and I'm now no longer a Republican. And I, we could talk a lot about that, but this is not about me. This is all about you. Um, I left the Republican party earlier this year, not too long ago. Um, I, there's no way – Donald Trump is an absolutely indefensible human being. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, Republicans who are sycophants, which is most of the Republican Party, um, who find every single possible excuse to defend a deplorable human being. It, it, we're not just talking about his some of his policies. Um, but we're talking about this person, and look, I am guilty of sin. You know, I'm, I'm not a perfect person, but I look to my elected officials, and I think this is – we want a president of the United States who we can look at our children. You could look at your son, Ben. I could look at my daughter, Paige, and our, my son, Josh, and say, this is a man that you should want to aspire to. I can't do that, Allison. I can't do that with Donald Trump. I can't.
1: I, and you're you're right. My son is 10 and I I have to look at him and say this is not a role model.
0: This is not normal. This is not how you act. No, I mean there is we could talk about 20 different 30 different incidences where he has proven himself to be the man who we always known him to be. A vulgarian, a completely aloof, disinterested um just absolutely disgusting human being and people say you have to give this president a chance don't take what he says don't take the tweets seriously um don't take this seriously just watch what he does and what he's doing is it it just every single day a headline is horrifying and people i look like like andy harris who is it's fine to be conservative, and Allison, in full disclosure, I would consider myself a very staunchly libertarian person. Um, I, I, you and I probably have more agreements than we, what we do disagreements, and we'll get into that, but I, I can tell you that when it comes to civil liberties, there's no wiggle room for me. I'm sorry. I am a fierce proponent of defending, protecting, and upholding our Constitution's Bill of Rights, um, and when you lash out, at the press and when you call journalists who risk their lives every single day around the world as fake news I am not going to take it I'm just not I'm going to fight back when you threaten to open up libel laws so that Donald Trump which is his MO is to sue people and lose and embarrass himself things like that you know when doing what I do blogging radio it, it's horrifying that our very institutions of democracy are under attack by the person who is charged with the responsibility of maintaining them. And Andy Harris is a loyal foot soldier. He is a loyal foot right. soldier he, he in this movement.
1: All of it, all of it. And, 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 you know, Trump, I guess I see as, it's hard to explain. He <laughs> lied to people. He, yeah, he he's a like pathological I liar. I want to change, right? But okay, people like Andy Harris—he's been in the government long enough to know this isn't right.
0: right.
1: I would expect, you know, and you'll you'll hear—it's interesting how heroes shift after the election, right? Because I've never. And now, I don't care too too much about party i'll I'll look at people from either side, and if they're doing something right, I'm willing to applaud them for it. But you know you you I have a lot more respect probably for Lindsey Graham, for John McCain, for that type of of conservative than I really did before, and you know you they're not afraid to call them out when something's not right. That's right. They're, they're not afraid to because integrity isn't a sometimes thing. Right and wrong, you know, yeah, there are gray areas, but sometimes there's wrong. And what I don't expect to see is my congressman apologizing for it or making excuses or, better yet, just saying, oh, like, ignore Russia in your backyard. That's fine.
0: Do do you think that
1: if you if you can't see that this is wrong and you can't do something about it, Congress is there as a check and a balance? If you're not going to do your job, you need to go.
0: Do you
1: think that Andy are not? uh, Okay, go on. Do I think Andy?
0: Do you think Andy Harris knows that because of the makeup of his district, that is the political makeup? Allison, do you think that? That gives him some cover that he can pretty much say and do whatever he wants and um, and and sort of promulgate some of the policies of the administration with with that political cover, knowing that you know, look, the the last election, um, you know, according to um, Maryland uh, State Board of Elections website, Andy Harris won it by sixty seven percent to Joe Warner's twenty eight percent, you know. Two hundred forty-two thousand votes in its a conservative area. Um, you know, you cross that Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and it's a pretty conservative place. So he has that political cover. He knows that no matter what he says or does, he can stand gallantly, waving the Donald Trump flag of support wherever he goes, without any political repercussions. Do you think that's why he does it, or do you truly believe that he is a Trumpian Republican?
1: I- Okay, well, on the, on the first part as to whether, you know, I that day that, when, that he was having constituents in to speak with them, not my group, another group asked him a question about uh, basically his, his policies being radical. And he hides behind the Democrats in the state legislature to protect us from the actual impacts of what he's voting for at the federal level. You know, he'll say, oh, well, it's, it's unlikely to impact you here because Maryland does such and such. To which I would say, great, you know, your personal rights shouldn't depend on your zip code. But uh, (laughs) he said during one of those meetings, during one of those meetings, he said, um, I won 67% of the vote. I have a mandate for these radical policies. Hmm. So, you know, there's, there's that attitude. When it comes to Trump, I'm certain he sees through it, but and I'm I'm certain that he knows the difference of whether it's whether it's right and wrong. I you know I don't think that you get through medical school and and I, he can't be that foolish. He's got to <laughs> see through it. But what I will suggest is that. It's his donors. It's who's paying him and what side he's got to be on. You can look at his voting record. There have been times where he's gotten, you know, big donations, and then all of a sudden his vote shifts or he backs out of co-sponsoring a bill. There's plenty of that. Who he works for is is his donors. So if his donors say you need to be Trump's foot soldier or his lap dog, then that's what he's going to do. He's not an independent agent. He's not, you know, Fighting anything. He's doing the House Freedom Caucus' bidding, is basically what he's doing.
0: Well, and the pharmacy and that's lobby. Not we can't to forget help the that. <laughs> For <sure. laughs> we can't I, I mean, we, there are we, any
1: number of people. There are any number of people he serves, and it's not his constituents. It's whoever is paying him.
0: Well, this is now as good of time as ever. And I wanted to talk to you in depth about a situation that I've encountered with Congressman Harris. And So to be fair, and on the show we want to be fair. It's not that I think that Congressman Harris is totally wrong on many of the issues. In fact, I would think that if him and I sat down at this my kitchen table where I'm literally sitting right now, I think that he he and I and you and I would all have very similar, have some agreements on policy that we would hope that would transcend political parties and do what is uniquely in the best interests of our country. Now, with that said, I think that over the years that Andy Harris has become aloof, and I've seen it in person because I've been around it. I've been to the insufferable GOP events in Maryland where they have the little hospitality suites on Friday nights during the convention, and I've I've tried to talk to Andy Harris, and this man could be no – could be less interested in what I had to say as far as you know talking about a policy. Um, I'm a big proponent of getting the federal government the hell out of uh, the marijuana business. I mean, why is Andy Harris interfering in DC's marijuana laws? That's what I want to understand. <laughs> well, <you>
1: know, <laughs> it's not too sad. Did you hear about the flushable wipes?
0: I, I did, and it, it 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 confounds me, and I want to understand. And so I've I've had basically limited interactions with him, but he surrounds himself with people, kind of like Trump, who just think he's the best person ever. Um, and you know it's hard to really have a a real in depth one one on one conversation. I'm certainly not saying that he is a a, a bad man because he's not. He's he's a good and decent uh, uh, newly married man. And his previous wife, Cookie, was just a really wonderful person, and I don't know his children, but by all accounts, he's a loving father and a decent person in his personal life. So put that aside. Andy Harris doesn't give a shit about his constituents, and I'm just gonna say that and and I'm gonna put that out there, and I mean that, Allison, because I attempted you know this whole voter fraud thing, right? you know Trump. After the election, he can't live down the fact that he lost the popular vote by nearly three million votes. So what does he do? He meets with members of Congress at the White House, and (laughs) congressional Republicans are scratching their heads when he flies off the hook, as he usually does, and says that had three million illegal immigrants not voted for Hillary Clinton, I would have won the popular vote. And that's a lie. That is, we should call it a lie. Congressman Delaney has called it a lie. Any person in their right mind would say, fine, let's ask for the evidence for that. And so what does his ill-fitting, suit-wearing press secretary, Sean Spicer, do? He goes out and says, well, there's a few studies, but they they give no conclusive evidence, Allison. They give nothing, right? And so he continues to perpetuate this lie. And because he is the world's most biggest snowflake president that we've ever had, He designs this voter fraud commission and says, what are you hiding? States need to give over – hand over this very personal information of of voters, Uh, the last four digits of your Social Security number, voter history, if you had any felony convictions, and just very private information that should not be handed over to the federal government because, let's face it, it's not their responsibility to handle what secretaries of states do. Okay? So – I ask C- C- Congressman Harris is asked by WALTV um about this, and he says well i'm you know it's crazy. why wouldn't we want to hand over this information um to the federal government to you know to investigate voter fraud? And he says, Well, my previous opponent um, committed voter fraud, yada, 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 and I'm going to introduce legislation <laughs> that would withhold federal funds from states who do not comply with president Trump's request. So my question to Andy Harris is fine. Congressman Harris, you want to, you you want voters to willingly hand over this information to the federal government. Why won't you give me the last four digits of your social security number? So I, I called his office, um, Allison, and, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've asked his communications director. Her name is Jackie Clark. Last Friday, I had a, um, I requested comment for another story, and their staff is most unwelcoming. And I and I hate to say that, but they they don't want to help you. They just don't. And I had a question that I want answered. That I wanted to give them a fair shake and get their statement. And so I've asked their I've asked these questions over and over. I've emailed the communications director, and Allison, I'm getting nowhere, and it's frustrating because. I don't I don't think it's an illegitimate request. So finally, uh, on Friday, I spoke to um, their legislative director, Tim Daniels, and he picked up the phone after the intern was exasperated when I would ask for the last four digits of the congressman's social security number. And we had this long conversation and basically he insulted me. He patronized me, said, well, did you really read a copy of the, the Chris Kobach's letter to the states? Of course, I did. I had a letter. In my hand. And he said, Well, you know, our interns, you've exhausted their, their knowledge base and we feel harassed by your questions. Verbatim, that's what was said. We, and he used that term, harassed. And I asked him, I said, Well, can, you know, I was, you know, and I was so shocked, Alex, and I said, How dare you? How dare you try to say that a constituent asking questions of a United States congressman, of which my taxpayer dollars pay his salary, your salary, and everybody in that office. How dare you insinuate that I am harassing you with these questions? This is your job. And he's like, well, Mr. Minor, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I meant. And it just – it pissed me off so much, Allison, that they don't care. They just don't care. They don't want to ask – they don't want to answer tough questions. And I still haven't gotten a response from the congressman's office. I mean what do you make of this situation?
1: I would say it's not the first time where he thought it was okay to subject everybody else something different than what he deals with. Or what he wants for himself and his family, and that you know, that's just not the kind of representative that I want. I I think that you know, if you would, if you can't, uh, if a law is good enough for us, it ought to be good enough for everybody. So if he expects us to turn over our information, then he should be turning over his. He yeah, put that be. right online. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I want. He's, yep.
1: he's not. He's not. It's, um you know, he's he just he lacks integrity. And he's not doing what's right. Uh, I think people, most people are not aware of it. You know, he's he's happy to take away my health insurance, which is the thing that allows me to own my business. But at the same time, you know, he freaked out when he had a 28-day 28, 28 gap in his and said he'd never seen it. Or he's happy to undermine the public schools that my kid attends. But he's never sent his kids to one. Mm. He's completely out of touch. So, so you know, I would I would suggest if he doesn't know what it's like to be one of the little people, then maybe he shouldn't be in that job. He, in he your bio. He doesn't sympathize with anybody.
0: I agree. I mean, he's aloof. He just I, – I, I can't understand it, and – I it's it's a poor reflection of his leadership and so I I you know I don't know if Congressman Harris has any future political ambitions above being a United States Congressman in Maryland but I I just don't see him as a valuable representative of the people especially for issues that I care about liberty issues he's not been a friend and there are people that continue to vote for him because he has an R next to his name and Allison Let me ask you that question. You're you're fighting a a real battle here because you're a Democrat running in a predominantly Republican district. How do you reach these people who feel similar sentiments that you and I have just shared? How do you get to those Republicans to say, hey, Andy Harris is not representing you, and look beyond my party. Look beyond the, the little letter next to my name. How do you get to those people?
1: You know, it's a matter of talking to them. And I've told a lot of people if I could be running as the party of, of critical thinking, or you know, fighting for the underdog or, or whatever, that that's where I would be. But we're in a two-party system, effectively. I got to pick one or the other. And I'm, you know, in a Republican primary, I'm never going to go to the guy's right. Not going to happen. And so the people that turn out in a Republican primary, that's that, that's who you need. So, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Party doesn't – I don't care. I don't care. That's not what it should be about. Most of us can agree people should have health insurance. Most of us can agree our kids should have a good education. Most of us can agree our privacy is not for sale. (laughs) Most of us can agree that we don't want corrupt government officials. Those things I think, aren't that complicated. It's the it's the Democrat branding that I need to get over with, when it comes to moderate Republicans. But I, I do have, I have moderate Republicans, I have independents, I have Bernie Democrats, I have Hillary Democrats, I have Libertarians, all donating to the campaign and all working on the campaign. And I talk to all of these people about the issues. So I think it's just a matter of getting information out there and letting people know what Harris is voting for and what He's effectively doing, because when you listen to or when you read his press releases, he's he's lying to you. Wow. Basically, he won't tell you what he's actually voting for. or He says, oh, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to drive down the cost of health insurance. Well, it drives down the cost of health insurance because you just kick the most expensive people to insure out of the market. That's why it drives it down. But he doesn't mention things like that. We so, need to inform people, but, but most people are more concerned about whether they have, like, bologna in the fridge for their kids' lunch tomorrow to be, you know, paying attention to politics or what Harris is doing. Some probably don't even know that Harris is their rep. And just, still, you know, circle that box because he's got R next to his name.
0: Well, this is what I hear. on Even in Western Maryland, where, where I grew up, it's a, it's a very conservative area, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that it's... It's geographically conservative, you know, Garrett, Allegheny, Washington, portions of Frederick, and then where I live in, in Montgomery County, it's not so much. Um, so, what I have, a, what I'm concerned is that they people say, "Are you for Trump?" Yes, fine, you're good at my book. And I feel like that that happens a lot on the Eastern Shore. It's not that they're lacking critical thinking and. You know, I, I the worst thing that I could ever do on this show, and I've been accused of it, is just sounding elitist, that I know more about public policy or that I, you know, I speak in a way that is not reflective of where I grew up or where I'm from. But I'm like you, Allison, I'm 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 proud of my background you know we we came from w- with very little. And, you know, my parents were able to put me help me put, put me through college and um, and it's it's not we lived an average middle-class American life. And, you know, I, I was lucky. I was blessed. Um, I, I was lucky that I was able to get an education um, and I worked really hard and I continue to do that. And so my question to you is ha- having those conversations is one key component of running a successful campaign, but you got to break through to these people who say, you know, Trump is doing this great job you have to break through the people on a local level. Um, you know, when you're standing down in Chestertown or when you're, when you're standing in Easton and having those conversations, you show up to the Waterfowl Festival. You go to Chestertown Days, and you know, you're standing on the boardwalk of Ocean City um, on, in October, and you're talking to the people that are going to their jobs, and you know, you're going over to Kent County. Um, there's some people that are really struggling, but they keep voting for Andy Harris. Why is that?
1: I think they don't know what he's doing, and in terms of of trump voters like i don't I don't care some people get you know they'll get they'll get mad, I think it's reasonable to get mad that the people did that that they but i it doesn't matter to me that's all in the past. What we're talking about is what we're gonna do in the future. We can put a rep in there now who understands what it's like to actually be. One of the people who's impacted by these policies. And I would suggest that from a healthcare standpoint, Trump is probably less dangerous than Andy Harris. I think well. that's the kind of message that you need to have with those people. You know, this guy is happy to shut down your rural hospital. He knows it will happen, he's been told it will happen, and he ignores it. This guy knows that District 1 relies on Medicaid and he wants to cut it and he'll not even tell you that it's a cut because fuzzy math but what he's doing is taking away the things that people depend on to live their lives and i think that it's just about informing them of that and saying you know you did whatever you did for whatever reasons you did and i kind of get that and trying trying to understand why people make decisions right and then just saying uh I don't like him because the guy's a threat to my business. You know, have he's, you, he's probably a threat to whatever you're doing too.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Since you've launched your campaign and you've been out on the trail and you are showing up, you're meeting people, you're traveling all over the district, have you been characterized uh, you know, in your positions? Have, has the right wing started to attack you yet?
1: Oh, not too much. That's good. I mean, there's some stuff here and there, but uh, I, it, I don't know. I'm trying to think, there was there are a couple of things. You know, some people say, uh, "Well, you're just a socialist or a communist or whatever," and it's clearly <laughs> some troll on a page, yeah, and talking about whether whether grocery store food should be free. And I'm like, look, grocery store CEOs don't make thirty million dollar bonuses by starving people to death. We're not talking about the same thing. So, uh, you know. But it, it's to be expected, right? You have to have thick skin. And I would suggest not many people have thicker skin than a mother fighting to protect her child. Yeah. And fighting to protect the, the way of life they can offer their child. I mean, that, that gives you a lot of fortitude, I think.
0: Well, I agree. Because nothing is
1: more important to me than my son and his well-being. And there are so many other people whose lives and their children are under attack from these policies, and people just don't, they don't understand it. I mean, if it were really about states' rights and liberty and things like that, right, that the actual values, the actual conservative values, if that's what Harris were voting for, I'd I'd be sort of, well, okay, you know, like I said, I don't think certain things should depend on zip code. And I don't think that some things can be left up to industry without consumer protections in place without having some, you know, catastrophe occurring. But on the other hand, you know, liberty, right? Our privacy, marijuana, who cares what you're doing as long as you're not hurting anybody?
0: Amen. Amen. If
1: that's what they were actually doing. If that's what they were actually doing, I would leave it alone. But that. that's not what they're doing there. They're picking and choosing which values they want to vote for and when and why. And um, I... Kamala Harris's votes is well. Did the Koch brothers tell me to do this? But yes, <laughs> probably. Okay. Well, let's go interfere in wherever. Or oh, DC wants to, to legalize marijuana and. But the pharmaceutical industry is working on some synthetic version, so doesn't want it readily available on the market. Well, sure, go to town with d c s right <laughs>
0: no. so go ahead and go it's ahead and pharmacy. shield for yeah big pharmacy Andy, and that's exactly what he does. He is in their back pocket, and whatever they tell him to do, and when they cut the check, that's how Andy votes and so that's why you will see exactly. Andy Harris in the back pocket of trying to infringe upon the District of Columbia residences individual liberties when he doesn't belong in it. And that's what gets me about most Republicans. I, I'm a fierce libertarian. I, I mean, truly, I, I am – I believe in – I believe that government should be limited as much as possible. But like you, I understand that there has to be protections in place. And I do believe that most things can be accomplished, and this is where we might disagree, that I, I truly believe – that the free market is something that we shouldn't take advantage or that we should be taking advantage of each and every day and small business owners do it. Um, And I believe that a a lot of, a a lot of the ways that government is involved in people's lives, they shouldn't be. But on the flip side of that coin, Allison, Andy Harris also wants the government to be involved in your bedroom and your social life. Why does Andy exactly, Harris... Exactly,
1: exactly. To the detriment of us and our, and our kids long-term. And not only that, but these budget cuts, you know, you can, talk about, you can talk about the deficit. And their approach might cut it now, like this year's spending, but ultimately if you yank out the, the foundation that's allowing people to be successful in life, good education, right, or health care all of these things, sure, maybe you don't spend on it right this minute. But if you don't want people to be on public assistance, then give them the foundation that they need to support themselves. You can't take all of these programs and expect everything to be all hunky-dory. Because not everybody, it's not a level playing field. Some people are starting from behind. What he wants to do is make sure that they stay there, not that you can, can take care of yourself. It's not about, like... You work hard enough, and and you'll get there one day. You know, maybe you will. Most yeah. likely, not if you're not given the skills that you need from the beginning. And it's not the kid's fault. It's not a kid's fault where they were born, but they all deserve an, an opportunity in life. I, 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 I don't know what you ask me anymore. That's okay. <laughs> um,
0: we. Um... Yeah, being that we're on internet radio here, um, I have, people can call in if they have any questions for you. The number to the show is area code 646 um, 716 And, you know, moving forward, let me ask you this. You know that it's going to take, and this is the dreaded question, you know it's going to take a lot of money to do this campaign. And it, folks I'm sure I've 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 read stories that people are donating. You know, in fact, at the very top of your website, you said help kickstart Allison's campaign. Commit to donate eighteen dollars a month to become a founding member. Are you raising money?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we need more, <laughs> right? These congressional races aren't they're not easy. Andy's already got over a million dollars. Sure, just he's course. just sitting on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know probably because it's got several different media markets in the district. Uh, There are some things that we can do well for pretty cheap. You know, I I think that we're we're doing all right in social media, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And and we can have a ground game. You know, we can have a lot of volunteers. We have a tremendous amount of volunteers. But, you know, there are some things that still, they just, they take money. I do need people to donate.
0: Yeah. And if you're listening, your website is com. To the right of your page is a big donate button. And if you click on that button, um, you can donate as much as you want. I think up to – there's a certain amount. I don't remember what it was. Um,
1: it's it's 2700 if anybody's feeling really
0: generous. <laughs> $2,700, exactly. Um, so let's talk y- – y- you – are elected to Congress, and you assemble your team and your staff. Um, what what priorities specifically when you get into a, into Congress would you like to focus on?
1: Well, a lot of things just need to be protected, right? Civil liberties, things like that. And ethics would probably be one of my one of my bigger concerns, right? Not hot, anti-corruption. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get the best. The people when you have people, you know, taking money from the industries that they're regulating, like huge amounts of money from the <laughs> from the industries that they're regulating, and so I think that we need campaign finance reform things like that. And and um, you know, but another another one of my big pushes would be for family leave, and not just you know, not just maternity leave. We need maternity leave. But in order for women to have an equal playing field, we need paternity leave too. And that's better for the men, that's better for the children. I mean, children whose fathers spend time with them early in their lives, years down the line, there's still positive impacts of that. And society's not setting it up so that parents, new parents, can spend enough time with their kids and and Nobody's benefiting from that, right? The flip side of that is elder care. How difficult it is to maintain a job when you have aging parents that you might need to care for, or an aging relative or a disabled relative. People need to have work-life balance. Nobody wakes up each morning and is like, wow, you know, I I wish I could work 70 hours this week. (laughs) You know, work is not the be-all, end-all. You a hard day's work should give you enough to have a, a happy personal life too. Uh, yeah. So the caretakers' rights are part of that. The employees' rights and employer in and workers' protections—they're being attacked and cut back. They need to be strengthened instead. You need a higher minimum wage. You need to make sure that your workers are being taken care of. You need to make sure that people have safe working environments and and that it's not just all on the backs of everyday Americans. You don't need this huge, huge divide where 1% you know, or 2% of the, of the country has 50% of the wealth.
0: Let's talk about some of your upcoming events. Where where can people find you? Where do you intend to be? And where will you be selling the message? I
1: think, what's
0: hmm,
1: What do I have coming up? I'm all over the place, and I look at my calendar day-to-day. Day. Uh, Charles Festival on the 19th. Oh, I'll be
0: there. That'll be fun.
1: And, you know, I don't know. I would have to look at my calendar. But we're working to put the calendar on the website so that anybody can look for it or at least put out a weekly email or something like that if you sign up for the mailing list so that you know mm-hmm. where I'll be. Oh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, um, Baltimore Help Desk, I believe. Hmm, Okay. Uh, Um, Yeah, I don't I don't remember any of the details beyond that.
0: And so let me ask you this question. Uh, That's okay. Uh, Among Uh, among elected officials in Maryland and elsewhere. What's the reaction to your candidacy? Have have you been endorsed have um, some of our other members of Congress or US senators have they started to back you or give you any support in uh, any sizable way?
1: I, you know they're nice to me. They'll talk to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jamie Raskin in particular is is really great, and you know, he'll uh, he sat down and talked with me, and he's very friendly. I'm waiting on appointments with some of the other reps, and um, I you know we'll see. I I don't expect a whole whole lot at least before the filing deadline. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you know, for various reasons, some people look at district one and I'm not, I'm not talking about our, our congressional delegation with this, but a lot of people look at district one as just unwinnable. Mm-hmm. And so why bother? You know, I've had, I have, I've had a couple of people that I've met with and you know, they're, they're great, but they seemed relieved after talking to me for a little bit because they go, well, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on here that you wanted to run for district one. <laughs> because it's such a hard district to win in and and uh you know I, we just we need to teach our kids that your your vote matters, and you can fight back even if it's even if it's an uphill battle, you still just do the right thing, that it's important to still just do the right thing, you have to try, even if it's hard it's not impossible, sure, it's hard. It's like I'm climbing a mountain, but it's it's not impossible.
0: It's it's not possible. Um, and as you said, it's going to be hard. And I wouldn't be surprised if Team Harris and some of his people, you know, they. If, the more and more that you are out and about, the more and more that you talk to people and have those conversations, the more that they maybe <laughs> get ready. It's it's going to be a rough ride. But if there's anyone who can handle that, based upon their background, um, I think it's you. And, you know, look, I've read your website and I've read these very, I mean, you've shared some very intimate details about yourself and just this conversation alone. And in full disclosure, folks that are listening, this is our actual, this is you, your and I's first conversation that we've ever had. And, um, you know, I don't tell, you you don't come across to me as a typical politician. And I think we're so done with that.
1: I'm... I'm- well, I'm, I've always been done with it. The one, if you ask me personally, what do you want from your representative? Firstly, I want somebody who's going to fight for me. But if they're not going to fight for me, I want them to be authentic, and I want to know what's going on with them. I don't ever want somebody to look me in the eye and say, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that, and then proceed to do nothing. I don't want to be lied to by my representatives, and so I would not want to lie to somebody else as their representative. I think that the people deserve better. And, and you know, the other thing is that if people want to find out these things about me, they'll find them out. Of course they will. They're, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to figure out that, you know, my parents have been sick or this or that. I'll just tell you. Because they're yeah. what shaped me and they're what, made, they're what made me who I am and they're what gives me an understanding of what it's like to, to have these problems in your life. I, you know, I, I have yeah. a lot of life experience that, that I think would make me a good representative. It's not just that I understand how the federal government works, it's that I understand how the federal government needs to work for people, to protect them, to give us a better life, to give our kids a better life, a better future, a better tomorrow.
0: I've seen in your website, there's a paragraph that's especially meaningful and, and very touching, something that people can relate to. And this is what you wrote that you said, I, I've lived paycheck to paycheck. I've faced job uncertainty. I've been laid off. I've experienced sexual assault. I've also sued and won. I've been treated differently in the office because I'm a woman and know many suffer much worse every day. I'm a homeowner. I purchased my current home using an FHA back loan and the previous one using a VA back loan. I've watched loved ones become addicted to painkillers and lost friends to the opioid epidemic. I've been part of a caretaking decisions for my disabled mother know how sickening it is to debate what is and is not covered by Medicare or insurance companies while making critical health care decisions and participated in difficult end-of-life decisions, you've just described there, Allison, what real people do and handle and go through every single day of their life. People have lived paycheck to paycheck. I know I have. I faced job uncertainty, and I have been laid off before. And I know what, it's fear. It is fear that overcomes you. Geez, I don't have a job. Where's my income? Where's my next car payment going to come from? You know, am I going to be able to afford basic life necessities? I've I've had times in my life where, you know, I'm not proud that, you know, you've had to stretch 50 bucks for a month. It's not easy.
1: Uh, no, it's, it's not. And that's my point. It takes so much money to run that what you end up with is, is, tends to be more privileged people who tend to be a little out of touch. I'm saying I get it because I've been there. And as a single mother, I can't, I can't drop all of this. I can't stop working. You know, I have to work. I have to pay my mortgage. But I, I understand the problems that people are facing, and I think that life ought to be easier for all of us. certainly it shouldn't be attacked by the federal government, our way of life because they want, to, they want to let the corporation do whatever they want.
0: If you had an opportunity, if you were face-to-face with Andy Harris right now, what would you tell him?
1: I would say, bye, Andy. <laughs> I'm done with you. No, I gave him a chance. The guy could have told me. The guy, the guy could have simply fought for women-owned small businesses, and I'd probably be minding my own business right now. I, I and mean, that was the biggest thing for me is, is, are you going to protect my business? Are you going to protect the one thing that allowed me to stand on my own two feet while I dealt with my parents being sick, while I dealt with a divorce, while I dealt with my, you know, having to raise my kid and having to pay my mortgage and having, you know, being, being laid off, right? You want to take that one thing that I fought so hard for? I don't think so. That's yeah. not how this works that's not how this goes. You're not going to take the one thing that's allowing me to stand on my own feet right now. And all it is is a consumer protection. That's it. We're not going to get you. Corporations don't get to profit by making us sicker. Government shouldn't be taking all these, this money that you know on the backs of working Americans. That's not what we work for. It shouldn't be that you work and you work and you work and you defy all the odds and then the government comes in and screws you over. I'm sick of it. So I'm fighting back and I'm saying, you know what, like, fine, you go and you vote for whatever you want. At this point, I've decided he's not going to work for people. It doesn't matter what you do anymore. You can call him and nag him, and really the only thing it gives you is a little bit of satisfaction at making his day maybe a little bit worse. Um, but he's not going to do anything different. He's going to do what he's going to do, which is to vote for the money that's that, in his pocket, you know? That's so all.
0: My, what I'm looking for in my congressional representative, representatives, Democrat, Republican, is to Get engaged and truly stand up to this administration. And if you're a Republican, my former party, I want you to stand up and say this is not right. This isn't normal. This isn't something that's healthy for our democracy. And to stop, you know, just poo-pooing this Trump thing, and to stand up to the president. I mean, there's let me let me give an example. There's a congr- potential congressional candidate running in Maryland's six congressional district. Who's already out on Twitter? You know, he's like thirty-eight followers or something, and he's saying, "Well, I, you know, if if somebody doesn't stand a hundred percent with the president, and if I don't stand, you know, you, you don't, if you're a Republican, and you don't stand with the president, then you're worse than a Democrat." What? Where are we? Yeah, that's potential congressional candidate. His name is Adam McKee. He's on Twitter, and you know, he's tweeting at Breitbart and like alt-right stuff. And uh, this guy is—he put out a tweet saying that if you do you, Republican who doesn't stand with President Trump is worse than a Democrat. I mean, wow, was not
1: even a Republican.
0: No, <laughs> I know, and that's the funny thing is he's, he's been all over the map. He's never had any held convictions, um, and it's it's just stuff like that that's just. So That's silly.
1: Yeah, the one thing that made me feel better about the whole thing was, well, he's come out in favor of universal health insurance before.
0: He has. He so has. So you never
1: know what he's going to do. It might not be terrible. With Harris, I mean, he's, he's at least kind of consistent, like he wants to give everything to the free market and let them do whatever they want, or if it's a religious agenda, then he'll go for that too. But, you know, uh, out of the two, I, I would consider Trump, probably less dangerous unless you're talking about national security and that's something a little
0: different. <laughs> yeah. but, national security, um, basically, you know, not entrusting our cyber security yeah, it, to <laughs> to Vladimir Putin.
1: I well that and you know like making deals on Twitter. That's probably not the best way to go. <laughs> but hey, yeah. you know, it's it's the age of social media, right?
0: It it is <laughs> and, it's all about ratings, and it's about who can talk about him the most, who can um, you know I, I, I see you, we're going to get very little accomplished over the next four years. But when there's elements of democracy that come under threat, I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican, we have to stand up and we have to stop it. And I'm looking for people that are going to represent not only the state of Maryland but us nationally um, and work together to put a stop to this administration. And fight back and return government back into its rightful owners, and that is the people that is the states and it's very basic stuff here um, so I hope that's you I hope that I hope that you can continue to to keep up the fight. I know that your campaign is growing, and if one person if you can take on Andy Harris and if you win this thing it's going to be the biggest political- ups- upset since Larry Hogan won the governorship I'm not kidding.
1: <laughs> Well, certainly, you know what, people people sometimes get upset when, um, you know, like the papers will underestimate the race, or they don't talk about it at all, which, you know, not talking about it at all is a little worse, in my opinion. But when people say, oh, it's still an uphill battle, I said let them underestimate it. You know, if you look at, if you look at Off, right, people... They were saying, Oh, Ossoff might win it, Ossoff might win it and dumping, dumping, dumping money into it. And so the Republicans did the same thing back. And then and and then he lost. Right. Mm-hmm. The biggest gap was closed by Parnell, which was quiet the whole oh, time. Yeah. You know, yep. so fine. Underestimate it. Yeah, I'm not a politician. I don't have any experience of this stuff. I'm I'm this is personal. You know, yeah, I know how the federal government works. I know how policies work. I've written policies at much, much lower levels, but I understand the big picture, how things impact people. But this is this is you know, a mom fighting for herself and the future of her family and every family like theirs. And I I don't think that that's that's not partisan to me. It shouldn't be partisan. Right. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I'll talk to anybody. And most people will agree with me, at least on certain ideals, even if it's not – even if we disagree on how to get there. There's some disagreement on how to get there. But mm-hmm. this isn't – it's not political. It's, it shouldn't be political anyway, right? What it, it, we do have a duty. The Constitution is there for a reason. And it's it's to make people's lives better. That's what we need to get back to. I don't care which party is doing it, it doesn't matter at all to me. I hope that we can inform enough people in District One that you know, what is going on, what's not going on with Harris. But yeah. I you know, I want I want life to be easier on everybody. I think life should be easier on everybody.
0: Well, I agree, and plug your website so you can, after this interview, where people can go on and find out where you are and more about you.
1: Yeah, yeah, everybody go, please check out www.allisonforcongress.com A-L-L-I-S-O-N 2L, and I will be sure to put this up on Twitter and Facebook also.
0: Well, Allison, I appreciate you uh, agreeing to do the interview at last minute, and I it was a pleasure. I'm glad that we could talk, and I'm sure there's going to be many more opportunities to have similar conversations in the future. We'll get more in depth into policy uh, during our next interview, and um, keep showing up, doing all the things to rally the base and get people energized. It's a, it's it's a really an interesting time to be alive in our country at this time. And you know, as a personal anecdote, when I was up in Rhode Island, we went to um, a 4th of July parade. And it was like the biggest on the East coast. They have it every year. And, you know, I'm standing where, you know, when I was in Boston and I was standing at the Boston Harbor and I'm looking at Faneuil Hall, places that have such important historic, historical significance to the foundation of our country. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm walking through Boston, through Rhode Island and, um, places where our forefathers had had literally waged a battle for independence, declared um, that our nation is going to be independent, that we're going to have liberty, and that we are going to stand up for all citizens, that people will be created equal, and that we have natural rights by the mere existence of being alive. And I'm thinking that if our founding fathers looked at our democracy today, our constitutional republic, our our Democratic representatives, and saw the politics of today, I think that they would be disappointed. Now, every democracy, every republic downfalls, it breaks, and there's kinks that we have to work out. But I think that there's an opportunity for public service to be heightened. And I think to an extent, Allison, we've lost that. We've lost the conversation that we're, we're so focused on one upping the other party that the Republicans are just worried about winning. They're looking, you know, they're saying, well, you know, we can't talk about policies. We have to talk about, well, Hillary Clinton said this and it's just a a pissing match that makes for bad conversation. um, It dwindles the intellectual debate. And I think people are really looking for a resurgence of, having a, 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 I guess, a more congenial conversation about politics. And it's been lost. The last election, Allison, I don't know what your thoughts and feelings are, but it was one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, watching the debates, I didn't even want my kids to watch the debates based upon some of those attacks. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. You feel dirty engaging in politics, and it makes you – it makes you bitter. It embitters you. And I just, I want this conversation to, to change. I hope it changes. I want to start talking about, about the roots of this nation and about where we can grow, go together and just go back to a much better time. Because if we continue at this rate, I, I'm, I'm worried about the future of our country. And I'm looking to people like yourself to step up and take charge and to change things.
1: I, hey, well, you know I'm happy to give it all I've got and and hopefully make Congress a little less like a high school cafeteria <laughs> they got their priorities wrong at the moment,
0: yeah, I agree, well, Allison, it was a real pleasure having you um and you are welcome. You have a platform at any time to talk about your message on this show. And you are welcome at any time, and I encourage that you come back and we'll have uh, many more conversations. And please keep me in the loop on what you're doing, and uh, I will be sure to continue to write about your current campaign, your journey. Um, so stay in touch. Thanks for doing this tonight.
1: All right. Very cool. Thank you for having me.
0: Anytime. You have a great week.
1: You too. Good night.
0: All right. Bye-bye. So be sure to check out com. Allison Galbraith. Um, please, I'm so sorry if I butchered her name. I will get it right, I promise. I'm going to have to like phonetically spell it out next time. But she is running in Maryland's first congressional district, and she is taken on Andy Harris. And that's a feat. It is. It's an uphill battle. She knows it, but the conversations on the eastern shore in Bel Air in Harford County and in Havre de Grace – I've been Elkton. These are the places that matter, regular, everyday folks. Marylanders are some of the best people on the planet. And I hope Allison, um, she can bring back true representation because, look, let's face it, um, Andy Harris, um, he's a nice guy. He really is. And I think he's a good and decent man. And I will will not shy away from saying that. But I will say that the moment that you lose touch with your constituents, basically because – you believe that you have political cover is the moment that you should no longer be in office. And whether it's a Democrat, another Republican, Andy, somebody needs to say, Andy, you have to get with it. You have to start paying attention to constituents. And let me just say this as I in this show that I did work very hard to present the sides. And minordetail.com, again, that's minordetail.com, we present all sides of the story. And you can see that. I'm proud of that, the way that I write my stories. I'm always going to give everybody a fair shake. I'm going to present the facts, and the facts will speak for themselves. And I have attempted to reach out to Andy Harris's congressional office, to his communications director, Jackie Clark, um, who I have to tell you, you last Friday, she she could not be more disinterested in speaking with me. And I would encourage that Andy Harris's staffers... um, understand that who pays their salary, I mean, this is basic constituent services. I've worked for a member of Congress for a few of them, and it's a great opportunity. But when you call up your congressional office and you ask them for basic information and you you ask for a statement, they should give you a statement. That's their job. It's not asking for anything outside of the ordinary. And so when – his legislative director said that i was they felt harassed by my questions. man, what where are we living? What are we doing with our lives? where where at what point are we in our politics that somebody asks you a question, somebody holds you accountable and calls you to the carpet and asking just for a basic statement, Yes or no, will you give me the last four digits of your social security number when you're essentially asking Marylanders? to hand over that private information. I just want a statement. And so, I don't know, Jackie Clark, you have my email, you have my information. I, I, I'm hoping that you will respond. Um, your job is to respond to your constituents. Now, I don't live in the 1st con- Congressional District. I'm a Marylander, I'm a, and I pay my federal taxes. And so I think that's only fair. So I just hope that Andy Harris and his chief of staff And some of the folks who work for uh, the congressman, they have a, a, a serious discussion about what constituent services really are. And I'll give you a great example. If you want to understand what good constituent services is, then I encourage you to stop over to Maryland's 6th Congressional District, and you talk to Congressman John Delaney's office. Hands down, the finest constituent services that I've ever experienced. I say that again. John Delaney's office in Maryland's 6th Congressional District, is some of the finest constituent services I have ever personally experienced. If I ever ask them a question, their communications director, Will McDonald, he gets right back to me. If I have a legislative question, they will get right back to me. Their, their, their folks in their district offices, the best. So that's what it's all about. It's about representing the people. So with that, we'll end the show. Um, I don't know who what we'll have up next week on a minor detail dot com, um, or I should say rather on Bogtalkradio.com slash a minor detail. But we're here every Sunday night, and I'm sure it's gonna be interesting. Um, I'm gonna keep following the story. I'll have the information and do my best to get it out there. So I appreciate you listening and you can find this interview, we'll turn it into a podcast, and I'm sure Allison will um, disseminate this as well. So Once again, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and I wish you all a great week.